So, are you up for the challenge, agents? Yeah, Lisa, you're not an agent. It's D-A-D, code name. Okay, we've got lots of special agents in here today and it's your special day. And we've got them ranging from rookies through to senior agents and some that have taken on multiple mission subjects. They're very, very challenging missions. So we thought it'd be good this morning just to have a bit of fun and to give, um, just surprise some of you dads that are out there. So... um, Judy, I've left the other one just out around the corner. If you want to grab that, that'd be great. So let's start by let's looking at the rookies of the church here, the rookie dads. And I'd like you to stand if this is your very first Father's Day. Come on, Dave. It's your first Father's Day, isn't it? I was going to say there's one hiding in the cry room. Is there anyone else? Okay, Dave, you've got to come on down. Come on up. No, you come down here first. Don't look at your prizes yet. Okay, rookie dad. First Father's Day. Every father deserves a tie for his Father's Day. It doesn't fit over his head. Oh, there we go. My first Father's Day, it says. So everyone, let's make sure he feels very special. A block of chocolate because every father deserves a block of chocolate on Father's Day. Is that correct, fathers? Yes, that's right. Now, Dave, how old is your child and what is its name or her name, I should say? I know it's a girl. Uh, Ten months and Ava. There you go. Okay. Can you tell us, being this your first Father's Day and having ten months of being a dad, what has been the hardest thing about being a dad? It's unrelenting. What about, what's the, one of the best things about being a dad? Oh, the reaction when you come home from work. Very good. Well, how about we give our rookie agent a big round of applause. Thank you, Dave. Okay, so from our rookies through to those that have served a long, long time as an agent, I would like to honour this morning a dad who has been a dad for a very long time. So I'd like you to stand if you've been a dad for more than 30 years. Oh, we've got one here. Look at that. Okay, and we've got, I think we've got one here that's been a dad. There he is. Okay. Okay, I want you to um, stay standing if you've been a dad for more than 40 years. Okay, so I think we're left with one up the front here. Now, I'm just going to come down here. I might have to ask a few questions. I think and find out how many years. Keith, have you been a dad for? How many years? 57 years. Isn't that amazing? 57 years. Well, that's... (laughs) Well, we just want to say to you this morning, happy Father's Day. And that's a long time to be a dad. And we've got a special gift for you. This is a little box of goodies. It's got some cheese and some um, scorched peanuts, which, you know, every dad loves. Is that right? And some biscuits to have with your cheese. And we want to wish you a very, very happy Father's Day. And the last one, I know all you dads on the edge of your seat thinking, is it going to be me? Is it going to be me next? The next one we want to be able to say happy fathers to is the one, the agent that has just taken above and beyond the call of duty, the number of subjects that they should have to look after. And we would just like to find out how many kids some of you dads have got. So I'd like you to stand if you've got more than two children this morning. You've got two or more. Look at you. Okay, I want you to stay standing if you have three or more. So if you've only got two, you get to sit down. Okay, I want you to stay standing if you have four or more. Oh, these are getting into the real agents now. Okay, we want you to stay standing if you have five or more. 
Oh, down to two. Or three. Sorry, three. Oh, look out, guys. Okay, I want you to stay standing if you have six or more. Oh, I lose you all. Okay, I want all three of you up here. Come on. Right up here. Well done. Okay, gentlemen. I'm going to start at this end and I want you to tell us your name. That's it. Well done. Congratulating each other. I want you to tell us your name. Oh, look, he's going at the end. <laughs> okay, we'll start at this end. <laughs> we want your name and how many children you have. And then I'd like you to tell us their names and their birthdays. Well, uh, Paul Carlisle is my name. I've got five children. Um, Catherine was uh, born on the 4th of February, 1985. Rebecca was born on the 7th of June, 1986. Joanna was born on the 25th of the 12th, 1987. Oh, the 13th, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> The 13th of December. Um, Jonathan was born on the 4th of February 1990. And uh, Cassie was born on the 25th of December 1992. Oh, what a dad, hey? Well done. Hey, wait a second. How many girls did you have? I've got, I've got four girls and one boy. <gasps> and... and I must say that um, it probably all started when Sandy was flower girl at our wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's my claim to fame. No, well, that's fantastic. Four girls and one boy. That's pretty hard work. Okay, over to you, Dave. Hi, I'm Dave West. Uh, I've got five boys. Adrian, you see, 16th of December, 83. Jeremy, uh, 31st of July, 86. Paul, 21st of Feb, 88. Lovely James. Hey, James. You're gorgeous, son. I want to hug. James is the 17th of May, uh, 92. Is that right? Yep. And last one is Alexander, and he's the 4th of September, 95. Well done. He just needed a bit more time to think. <laughs> okay, name and your children's names and their date of birth. Graham Owers. Um, wouldn't have a clue when they were born. <laughs> That's right, what's your name? Um, I've got Shannon, he's the oldest boy, he's 28. Christy's 19, Belinda's 17, Nicole's 10 and Anthony's 7. Well done. Well, guys... Because you're very, very special dads and you've, you know, had all these children who've been very busy, we've got a few gifts for you now. We're going to have to vary them because we've got three of you. We've got, my husband said, every dad deserves a Herald Sun on Sunday morning. So there's one. Does one of you boys want to fight for the other one? There you go. Now, we've got some, um, some treats Okay, and what do you rather, you can go, since you were the last one. Oh, sorry, four, five girls, he deserves, to, four girls, he deserves to pick. Which one would you like? We've got some lollies. There you go, guys. And let's give them a round of applause as they go down. What great dads they are. Okay, and now I'm going to call Gail up um, now, and she's just going to pray for our fathers. Good morning. Let's pray. Thank you, Father God. Thank you that you are our Father and that you model fatherhood and love to us. But we just want to praise you for fathers today, Father God. Thank you for the fathers that balance work, marriage and children. Thank you, Father God, for the fathers who lacked a good model of a father and yet have worked hard to become good fathers themselves. 
Oh, Lord, Lord God, we thank you for those fathers who've been wounded by the neglect of their children. Lord, we praise you for fathers that, despite divorce, have remained in their children's lives. Oh, Father God, bless our fathers today, fathers whose children are adopted and whose love and support have offered healing to their children. Lord, we just pray for stepfathers who freely choose the obligation of fatherhood and have earned their stepchildren's love and respect. Oh Lord, Father God, we pray for the fathers who have lost a child to death and hold that child in their heart. And Lord, today we want to pray for men that have no children but cherish the next generation as if they were their own. And Lord, we thank you for men who have fathered us in their role as mentors and guides. And Father God, we pray too for the men who are about to become fathers and who will be able to delight in their children. And lastly, Lord God, we thank you for fathers who have died but live on in our memory. Lord, we thank you for the model of fatherhood and we just pray and praise you for those who are fathers in their own way here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Father's Day to you all fathers. Um, we just want to share just a few things uh, for you, um, some kind of news, things that have been happening in the lives of the people in our church. We've had uh, just on Friday, Pepita Hodges, her husband, uh, passed away. And um, so our thoughts and our hearts and our prayers are with Pepita and uh, her family too, the Pooleys. Um, we uh, think of them this week as they grieve uh, and um, well, thank God for the life of this great man, Pepita's husband. So on Wednesday this week at 1.30 at Conway's Funeral Chapel in Wodonga, um, is the funeral services and that's an open place where anyone would be welcome to come. That's 1.30 Conway's this Wednesday. Uh, we also want to let you know that uh, Stephen Marie Stokes, their daughter Mary, is up at Newcastle studying medicine and she's had some um, things that have uh, been taking place in her heart where she's had, have to have an operation this week and they went in and, and felt this week that it was best not to... Um, continue on with the operation, but wait for another month um, so that she might get stronger for the next operation in a month's time. So we'd just like to uh, pray for the Stokes as well and for Mary today as well. And it's great to see uh, Lisa Dees here and Neil as well. And we'll just continue to pray for you guys today at this time too as Lisa and Neil continue to uh, trust God in the midst of Lisa's uh, ongoing battle with cancer. And we're just we're praying for you guys and praying for God to work mightily. Let's pray, shall we, church? God, this Father's Day, we want to uh, pray uh, for these people and for the things that have been happening in their lives. And as a church, we gather together and we just pray for Pepita Hodges as she uh, grieves the loss of her dear husband. And God, we thank you for his life. And we just pray for Sandra uh, as she has lost her father and for the Pooley family as they've gathered around and uh, had such a, a close time this, this last week with him. And God, we pray for the funeral on Wednesday and we just pray that that would be a great time of giving thanks for this great man's life and we just pray that this would be very meaningful for the family. God, we pray for the Stokes family too and we lift up Mary to you and we would pray for her as um, they continue to look at her heart and continue to... Uh, plan for a future operation. God, we pray that you'd be strengthening her for this next operation and that it would be successful. And God, we thank you for Lisa Dees and we just thank you for um, the way in which she's just so uh, fully trusts in you. And we pray for her and uh, Neil as they continue to face each day uh, looking to you and praying for your healing. God, we would pray for you too to heal Lisa and we would pray that in the midst of this, that you would give them both the strength to look to you every day. God, thank you for your love and for your care of this family as they look to you 
for every moment. And God, as we now open up your word, we pray that you would uh, speak to us this morning. Would you guide my thoughts and would you lead us together in Jesus' name. Amen. As I kind of observe men in my uh, short time on earth, um, well, it's not that short anymore, but as I think about Australians, as I've observed them, um, I think men in Australia have gone through a number of transitions over the years. My grandfather, he grew up in an era where war was a reality. You know, war was part of life. Uh, my pa, he served in uh, the Second World War. And I, I, know, I remember my pa being a man's man and a tough man. And uh, he had grown up in this environment where uh, most of the men around in his time had been brought up in an environment where there were uh, sergeants and majors and people that were making the rules and you knew in that environment you had to do what you were told or else you'd get a clipping behind the ears. And I, as far as I can gather, kids growing up in that environment uh, sort of had majors at the, as the head of their homes, you know, who would, uh, who would say, kids, this is uh, what you've got to do as best that you're seen but not heard. And the less problems that you cause, the better. And if you cause too many problems, you'll get a clip behind the ears. Uh, kids were supposed to know that their fathers loved them, it seems. But they didn't really have many clear ways of showing it. And it seemed to be that a bit of order in the place and not too much concern is a good day. Uh, these dads were macho dads, you know, tough and strict. They were dads that... The kids did what they were told in this, these families. And the dads kept a bit of a distance, it seems, generally speaking. And when my father was, was growing up and when he was, uh, got married and had kids and I was one of them, it seems to me that what was happening more and more in Australian society at that time was that these kids that have grown up in sort of uh, wartime homes had grown up now quite disciplined people that knew what they should and shouldn't do. And generally, it seems that the people that were in my dad's time were hard workers and they'd learnt the work ethic from their parents and they worked very hard. And my dad, I can remember working long hours. He was a stable guy who would work very hard and, and, and gave himself to his work. And it seems to me that in that time, there were lots of men that were like my dad and what they would do was provide for their families in many ways. A good home, a good schooling, uh, holidays, you know, for the family. Uh, these dads were kind of achiever dads that kind of provided for their family. Now, the way we knew they loved us was kind of through what they provided for us, it seems, you know. Uh, it, it seems to me, though, that these dads still sort of weren't so close and like that, you know. I reckon over the past 20 plus years, there's been some radical changes in things for dads. Expectations have changed significantly. For instance, my pa, he was not allowed to be at my, uh, well, when my mum was, my gran was giving birth. It was, it was just not allowed. He wasn't to be there. My dad was not expected to be. I'm sure he could have pushed his way in and got in there, but when my brother and my sister were being born and me, Dad wasn't expected to be there, and he would have had to pretty fight pretty hard to get there. You know, today, over 90% of births take place with the father in the room. It just shows how things have changed considerably. Uh, in Newsweek, Evan Thomas wrote this. He wrote, the modern father, his wife probably thinks... He doesn't do enough. His boss probably thinks he takes the kids thing too far. His parents thinks he looks a little odd doing household chores and changing nappies. And the father himself, well, he may not be sure at all what kind of father he should be. Most fathers have become reluctant warriors in a social revolution. He's supposed to be the new, sensitive new man caring and warm, yet he was raised to succeed in work. 
not at home. All of this makes me kind of ask, what kind of man should I be? What kind of father should I be as I raise my two girls? What kind of father should you be? I think what happens in this environment where we have so many different expectations and things on us that men seem to go to, to two extremes often. And I think the two extremes can be kind of described as like a tough macho man sort of bloke or a weak kind of timid bloke, you know. Uh, we could say that the weak kind of timid blokes are like the emasculated, emasculated males. Weak, indecisive men. They lack confidence and drive. You know, these guys are nice men, nice fathers. They don't cause any trouble, but something's really wrong with them. Um, they're not happy. They don't have much energy. They're life-preserving rather than life-giving. The emasculated male. You know, women married to these men say something like this, I get so tired of being the only one in this relationship with any direction and purpose. Or they say, I wish my husband would fight for something, anything, just fight for something. (laughs) Fathers like this tend to let their children just run wild sometimes. You know, they, they allow their children to walk over them. Often the emasculated male uh, honours the children more than God. You know, sometimes the children will want to do something that the uh, father knows is not right and not what God wants them to do. But rather than standing up at that time, they'll let themselves be walked over by their kids. Now, Eli was like this. In uh, 1 Samuel, uh, we, we read about Eli and his two sons. And, and what happened was Eli was a, a priest at the temple and the priests were able to take from the sacrifices that were offered at the temple some of the food for their family. And uh, what, what they did, though, there were certain things that they were allowed to take, but the boys took more and they took the parts of the, off, of the sacrifices that they shouldn't. And Eli sort of said, oh, come on, don't do that, guys. And they go, oh, yeah, who cares what Dad says? And he just let them walk over him. And, you know, it says in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2 and verse 29, it says, so why do you, God says to, to Eli, he says, so why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you honour your sons more than me? For you and they have, have become fat from the best offerings. They've taken them from the best offerings of my people. So what happens here is Eli has started to take these offerings allow his sons to take them. And you know what the result of this was? This was such a sin that God refused to allow Eli to minister before him as he'd promised. His sons were killed savagely. He put those boys first, Eli did, and it cost him greatly. You know, the truth is that God didn't design men. He didn't design fathers to be people pleasers, to be nice and to be weak. Sometimes though, I think as Christians... And in the church, we often can send off just the wrong signals to men. It's like we sort of say, uh, in order to come to Jesus, you've got to be nice and safe and pleasing. (laughs) It's kind of of squeaky clean and and all that. Uh, I, I think the men that God calls us to be are anything but that. Just take a look at Jesus. I think... Uh, we, we want men who come to Jesus courageously and boldly and will not be walked over when they stand as fathers, as parents. On the flip side, uh, there are tough, macho men. Flip to the other side. And we read about them every Monday morning in the Border Mail. Another male on Dean Street punches another man at 2am in the morning, unprovoked, and smashes into them. Another violent assault in Dean Street. 
And, and you don't need to be there to know what probably went on. Uh, drinking, people that are drunk, yelling abuse at other males who get more angry back and before long they're fighting and, and punching and, and things are happening and they're trying to show the whole world that they're men. Frightened and insecure men try to convince the world that they're flesh and blood examples of raw manhood. You know, these terrified boys grow up in bodies uh, they, and they try and seek to erase any doubt amongst anyone that they're real men. So they dress and they drive and they walk and they talk and they curse and they chew and they fight and they fornicate like real men. Now, whether it's in the business world, uh, men trying to step on top of other people to get to the top at all costs, or whether it's on the farm, getting the biggest tractor and you know, going up bigger and better in everything that they do to prove that they're real men. They'll do anything to try and cover up the vulnerability, the doubt, the fear that they feel inside. Some men brag about the women they've conquered, the possessions that they have acquired. They brag about the alcohol that they've consumed and all this in a way is saying, I'm tough, I'm tough. I can handle anything. Saul wanted to stay king and he tried to hold on to this title at all costs. He gripped it with both hands and he wouldn't let this go. And he became insecure, he became threatened, he became defensive every day of his life, suspicious of what was going on. He he tried to kill David so that he would not be king. The macho man. This kind of man is not the kind of father God wants. It's not the kind of man God had in mind. So what kind of man does God Want. What kind of father is he looking for? Why don't we turn together in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. And this is what it says there when, where Paul explains and, and through the Holy Spirit, God's telling us that this is the way he wants men to be. He says, be on your guard in the NIV. He says, stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. Paul says, be men. In other words, men, act like men. Uh, He says, be on your guard. This is how you can really act like men is be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be strong. In other words, uh, Paul's saying that as men, we're to develop and maintain a vital, a genuine, a personal, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, to be grounded strong in the faith, to, to put our trust in him, to make serving God, to make our relationship with him the driving priority in our lives. Don't apologise for it. Don't view it as a sign of weakness, your faith. Don't get pushed around because of it. Stand firm in it. Be completely devoted to God. This is your strength. This is what God wants us to be. And then Paul writes, do everything in love. Be strong, but do everything in love. He's saying, be strong yet sensitive. Be bold yet tender. Be a leader who submits. Now, a wild at heart father is a man who first gives his life to God. Gives his life to God the Father through Jesus Christ and is completely his. A wild at heart father is a father that says, I'm not so macho and brave to not admit that I don't desperately need 
a relationship with my heavenly father in order to make it through this life. A wild at heart father is strong enough to say, Jesus, I need what you did on the cross to make a difference in my life. I need your forgiveness that you offer me when you took my place on the cross and when you died and rose again. I need the forgiveness that I can only find in you. That takes courage. That takes strength. That takes being strong enough to admit your need and your vulnerability. That before God you fall short and you need what Jesus did on the cross. It also means that a wild at heart father is not going to be a pushover when it comes to standing up for what's important. You know, the This book here is uh, one that John Eldridge has written and the title is uh, is Wild at Heart. And I've taken, had a look at it. So many people love this book, so I I thought I'd read it. And I thought as we came to Father's Day, I'd look at some principles uh, from this book through the eyes of a father. This is about men and men and how they uh, live for him, for God. And I just want to take the next, the rest of this time to look at some of the things that John Eldridge has brought up and how they apply to godly men today, living the way that God wants them to. Because I believe that someone who gives their heart fully to God first through relationship with Jesus Christ, who's strong enough and brave enough to do that and be completely devoted to him, will be able to allow their heart to live free their heart won't be able to be controlled by other people. Uh, Their heart won't be able to be controlled by polite society because their heart belongs to God. Their heart won't be changed and swayed. It won't be chained. It will be freed. It's not dead. It's alive, living life to the full. You can't tame your desires of a wild at heart heart. Because God owns the heart and our desires are his. You can't tell a father who's given his heart to God completely to be nice. This kind of father will live every day holding the hand of their heavenly father. And that's the best gift that any father can give to their children. In the first service today we had... A man that had been a father for 50 years and said, you know, what do you advise? And he said, the best way you can be a a dad is give your life to God and then you'll be a great dad in every other way. He was so right. So what's the truth about wild at heart fathers? What do we need to know? Well, the first thing that we need to know is there's a battle to fight. Man, doesn't that just stir in you something deep? Uh, You know, William Wallace in the 12th century was a true hero of Scotland. He he had a desire for freedom that burnt deep within him. Uh, Nothing could stop that desire. And what happened is it united the clans in Scotland. And William Wallace gained the loyalty of the people. And this gaining of loyalty and rising up of the people struck fear into his enemies. And it really uh, helped them to face head-on the cruel hand of evil, uh, the warring and invading king, King Edward Longshanks. Um, He knew that in order for the people of Scotland to find freedom, in order to really live, a fight, a battle must take place. They couldn't get freedom by being weak, (laughs) you know, They had to be brave and they had to be people who would fight for what was important. Uh, William Wallace, or I think it might have been Mel Gibson, I'm not sure who said it, but one of them, he he said this in Braveheart. He said, all men die. Few men ever really live. You know, when he says that in the movie, my throat gets all choked up and I think, oh, yeah, I want to really live. And inspires something in it, doesn't us, men? You know, I, I, I love it when he says that. 
And then when he grabs his big sword and he stands up in the middle with blue face all over and he just goes, ah! <laughs> always nudge Mandy and I go, that's a real man. <laughs> she just can't figure out what's going on. But she says, you're all I need, Johnny. <laughs> but there's something within men when Mel just gives that big, that big deep cry that makes us say we really want to fight for battles that are worth fighting for. We want to be men that can actually live our lives not just controlled by the things around us, but given completely to God and fighting the battles that he wants us to fight with our lives. You know, Exodus 15.3 shows where this desire comes from because it says there, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is a warrior. Yes, the Lord is his name. And we're made in the image of God, men. And when men want to fight for something that's worth fighting for, it shows that we're godly people made in his image. So what are some of the battles that men that we, we, we must fight for as, as parents, as fathers? What are some of the, 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 the things that we must fight for? Well, the, the, the first, as we come to the first battle, a wild at heart father is someone who's given himself totally and completely to Jesus, who's put his trust in him and his purpose and his plan for their life. And then he knows that his whole purpose and his whole reason for being here is not just based on himself. There's something greater at work. He's part of God's eternal purposes and plans. He is part of something much greater than just his own selfish life. A man, a father with a wild heart, says, I'm one and now live my life for God first because in, only in him can I find life to the full. They know what it means when Jesus says in Mark 8.35, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give your life up for my sake, you will find true life. Men who've given their hearts to Jesus know that giving up your life to him is what brings true life, what brings real meaning, what brings life to the full. So the first battle to fight is a battle within. Each man, each father must fight a battle that is a battle within. There's a traitor within each of us and it's sin. And sin is our daily battle as men that we have to fight. The wild at heart father knows that this battle with sin is not just a made up one, but it is real. Every day, it's a daily battle. Do you know the, the Great Wall of China was built to protect China from its enemies? It was an incredible work that was, uh, they put so many, many years into building this incredible Great Wall. But do you know what happened? Is once the wall was built, uh, the, they had built great builders, the, the country had made great builders who could build these great things, but they'd forgot to work on the people's hearts and their integrity. And what happened is while they finished this great wall, the enemies just walked up, bribed the people at the gates and walked straight through into China and invaded the country. Time and time again they got invaded because instead of thinking about working on their character and the things within, they thought they could just build up walls around and that would be fine. And for men, if we think that just by doing what looks good on the outside and not getting serious with sin in our lives, we're going to come crumbling down as well. So the battle for sin, against sin is real. But I want you to know that we don't fight as sinners who are now trying to kind of um, work our way into being good people. You know what I mean? A, a, a wild at heart man has already given his life completely to Jesus. And now when God looks at this man, he doesn't see sin. He doesn't see failure. He doesn't see brokenness. He sees Jesus. And he says, this person is a saint a set-apart one, a holy one, one who belongs to me. So we fight uh, not feeling like we're terribly hopeless, worthless people who just got to uh, get more sin out of our lives so that we, we stand as those redeemed who belong to Jesus and part of his family and we fight 
against every infiltration of this enemy of sin that will come into our battle. So what does this mean? Well, every day, fathers, there are temptations that uh, try and creep in to control. This is what Paul talked about in Romans 7. He says, I want to do the things I want to do. You know, I try not to do the things that I, I know I shouldn't, but I do, and there's this war waging within me. But when we know that there's no condemnation in Christ, when we stand on the promises of who we are, we can stand and take against, uh, stand up against sin seriously. You know, when, when are times? Well, there are times when we know that we're in the midst of an argument maybe with our, with our wives or with, with, with people in our family. And we, we know that it's going to be harder to stand, control our temper and try and work through things with them calmly. And often, instead of doing that, we'll go out and get a bucket of balls and just whack it. You know, that's called avoidance, you know. Uh, actually fighting with sin within us, we'll say, even though I don't feel like sitting down and working this through quietly and gen- gently, I will fight the desire to run <laughs> and I'll try and stay. You know, like the boss uh, at work on uh, during the week and maybe, uh, you know, he's just done one thing too far. So instead of blowing your stack and walking out and leaving home early, it means being willing to say, God, I belong to you. I'm your child. I'm set apart. I'm not going to run. I'm going to fight. I'm going to battle against sin and I'm going to try and work things through. It, it means that when we face all kinds of temptation of getting angry at our kids and just writing them off when they want us to spend time with them, of losing ourselves in the safety of longer hours at work rather than going home and having to actually relate to our family. We will not just accept status quo in that. We will fight to be men who are there, men who challenge the sin. We will not be those that hurt our kids by uh, being overly rough or angry with them or being lording it over our kids, but we will be ones that our kids will know are wrestling this battle against sin so that we'll be fair and loving and just. To be a dad who is right with God because we're fighting against the enemy of sin means that we'll not be hurting them, we'll be loving them. And men, if you win that battle, if you continue to fight that battle, you'll be a great dad and you'll be giving your kids what they most deeply need. The second battle is a battle a battle with the world. This, this battle is put before fathers and men uh, all the time. And you know what the battle is? The battle is to stand up against fake battles, you know, because the world says, hey, men, here's a battle you've got to fight. Here's one you must this is one you can't walk away from. And it's the battle to be better in your job. And you've got to rise up more and more and you've got to get to the top in your job. And if you're not successful at what you're doing, if you're not proving to everyone by your status that you're someone special, you're not winning this battle of achievement. Or maybe it's the battle of uh, personal fulfilment. You know, uh, Maybe it's saying... You, you need to fight this battle and if you're not feeling satisfied with your wife or, or, or people in your family, you can walk away from that. You know, you're the most important one. And there's a battle to have the most prettiest person or the, or the one that the world thinks is the best by your side and you have to walk away from those fights. So the battle with the world is actually walking away from the battle that the world tries to throw at us and saying, I'm not fighting that battle. I'm fighting a battle with sin and I'm fighting a battle against you, world. You know, a higher degree, a uh, better paying job, uh, more possessions that we can uh, own so that we look better than our next door neighbours. They're battles that the world tries to suck you into. And God says, I'm looking for a man that will just walk away from those battles because I've got his heart, God says. You know, most people that fight those battles in the world are not the happiest people around. They're sad because they work so hard to get to the top and find that there are, is not fulfilment there. Do you know what George MacDonald said? He said, without Christ, a man must fail miserably. 
or succeed even more miserably. You know, without Christ, you cannot find life to the, fulfill, to the full, men. You need to fight the battle against what the world is calling us to fight. A wild at heart father stands firm in the face of a world that is offering enticements, that is offering battles, that is offering skirmishes at every corner. And we have to say, we're too busy to fight that battle. Christ is our Lord. He owns our heart and he doesn't want us to fight here. The third battle, final one, is a battle with the devil. And most people don't even ever think about fighting this battle. All you have to do is open the book of Job and see in the early, uh, early chapters, Job and uh, God together, uh, uh, Satan and God together, haggling over Job's life. And, and, and you know, saying, uh, what will you, what, give me, let me have this man. Let me, let me take him. And, and the devil comes and attacks Job and causes so much trouble in his life. And I think today so many men walk around naive to what the devil uh, wants to do to our lives, men and fathers. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Uh, In case you didn't get the imagery of that, Satan's got his jaws open wanting to rip you apart. And he's looking for fathers, for men to devour. You know, I often notice this in, in our lives. Mandy and I and the family will be all at home and then all of a sudden the phone will ring and just while one of the kids goes, Aah! and then the doorbell rings and then someone will smash a vase and you think, there's more going on here, I think, than just what my eyes see. You know, so many things are happening that I think that Satan must be trying to to do a wedge. We just grab the family together and we say, and you know, Mandy, we've we got to pray and we've got, we got to be aware of what Satan can try and do. He wants to destroy our families. And the biggest lie that he says is, I'm not here. I'm not here. And we ignore him and we allow ourselves to be tripped up. So what, what do we do, men? How can we actually fight these battles? What weaponry do we need? What can we do to do that? Well, why don't you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 and look what Paul says for us. Ephesians chapter 6. Be great every week if you bought your Bibles, everybody. Had them right with you, re- looking up the things and going for it. Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 13. And look what the weapons that uh, Paul says that we're to use in our, in our battles. And the battles against... Uh, sin and battles against Satan, against the world. This is what it says. It says, use every piece of God's armour to resist the enemy in the time of evil. So that after the battle, you will be standing firm. A wild heart father stands firm in the midst of the battle. Then he goes on in verse 14, stand your ground. Put on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In every battle you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers. For all Christians everywhere. Here's great advice from Paul. You could take this prayer daily, man, and you could pray. You could take these verses and turn them into a prayer. You could say, oh God, help me be a strong and in mighty and power. Let me put on these, the armour today as I live uh, and fighting these battles. You know, it's the things that come out so clearly there is that we're to stand firm with God's power, that we're to keep our lives fully uh, based on God's word. You know, every sin in the battle uh, that goes on within, there are verses in the Bible that help directly combat those. You can take God's word and use it as a weapon 
against the sin that we face in our own life, when you're battling with the world. You know, the Bible speaks right into every situation that we face. Uh, the other thing, you know, men, we say, you've got to have a quiet time. Isn't that funny? Quiet time. You know, men don't find quiet times to, you know, pig shooting's much more exciting. <laughs> but, you know, uh, we, we don't need a quiet time as much as a time to connect with the living God. You know, we desperately need to connect with the living God. And how you do that through God's word, through prayer, through taking a walk, through, through listening to music, through crying out to him to say, God, I want your, you to be feeding my heart, my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Do that every day, spending time with him. Have that time with him. You know, I'm uh, challenged as we close today with the words of uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6, which says, be strong and courageous. We need men that will be strong and courageous today. We need men that will uh, stand and, and be strong and full of courage as they fight the battles. And this verse, which I, I just love in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, let me read it to you. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Men, have you given your heart to Jesus so fully? When well, our God wants to strengthen you as you battle the fight within, if you, as you battle the world and as you battle the devil. Go get them, guys. Be the best fathers you can possibly be. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you're our father and we thank you that you give us the courage and the strength and the power to live in the way that you've created us to live. And God, this morning I want to pray right now for those people that identify strongly with the emasculated male. I've got men that have been walked over too often, that have been controlled by even maybe their, their families, their bosses, their, their uh, people of influence in their lives. And God, I pray this morning for courage for those men to stand up and to be strong and to not allow anything to come between you and them and that they would be men of courage that will put you first in everything. Oh God, I pray for those men that they would stand strong in the midst of fear. And God, this morning I want to lift up those macho type men who identify more with the wrong use of power and sometimes... Uh, do things to show that they're men <coughs> when really they know deep down there's fear. Oh God, would you come close to these men, strengthen them, help them to love. <coughs> we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, that was good timing. I've just made it to the end. <laughs>